This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Arkansas U.S. Senator John Bozeman. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer Crop Science and the Habitale app. Learn more about how you can help monarch butterflies at farmersformonarchs.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with U.S. Senator John Bozeman next. The U.S. Department of Fish and Wildlife will soon be making a recommendation to add monarch butterflies to the nation's endangered species list. Crop Science, a division of Bayer, is encouraging farmers and landowners to plant habitat, including milkweed, to help this very important species of pollinators. Then download the app, Habitali, and record habitat that already exists, as well as your new efforts to protect monarchs. For more information, visit FarmersForMonarchs.org and be sure to record your efforts by May 31st to the Habitali app. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The nation continues to struggle under the weight of the economic slowdown from the COVID-19 pandemic. While some states and segments of the economy are beginning to open up, Senator John Bozeman says it's a long way back to normal from an event that is proving to be a historical benchmark for the nation. I think you have to go back to the World War II days to, to find anything approachable. The idea of shutting down our entire economy, the world's entire economy, is just something that hasn't happened before. So the good news is, you know, we've been able to pass uh, three significant bills, spent $3 trillion. Uh, there were no dissenting votes in the Senate with those bills, uh, maybe one or two in the House. But, but essentially, Republicans and Democrats have worked hard to come up with good legislation to help the American people. This is all about protecting families and protecting communities. What has been particularly challenging for your state and specifically your state's agriculture? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I was visiting with a, a prominent farmer, a guy that had been through everything in the farm world in the past, and he said, you know, John, this was two or three years ago, he said, you know, the interesting thing now is, you know, you see commodity prices go down in the past and this and that, but the idea that all commodity prices were down, and, and this this has been the case now for several years. So I think the problem is is that the farm community came into this in a weakened state to begin with, uh, with the trade situation, all of that exacerbated it. But, but even before that, we were having significant problems. So as a result, it really has hit the uh, farm community hard. Not only the farm community, agriculture is 25% of the state of Arkansas's GDP, but when you get out of any city of any size, it's probably 85 or 90 percent. So it's really hit uh, rural, uh, rural uh, Arkansas or rural communities in a, in a very adverse way. So looking at the CARES Act that was approved back in March and now the CFAP regulations put in line for how agriculture is going to be supported, Senator, just looking uh, at the regulations that were offered, are these in line with what you would like to have seen done do you think members of the committee are pleased with how the administration is following through with the congressional rule? No, I think overall right now the feeling is that the Agriculture Department, Secretary Perdue, and his team have done a really good job of, of trying to be as responsive as they could. You know, lifting the cap somewhat, I think, is being well received. Also, leaving the door open for some commodities that were left out. 
that were uh, above the 5% range as they figured it, allowing them to come back and get some relief in the future. I, I know uh, our poultry farmers, our catfish producers, uh, people like that, uh, they've struggled. They've been left out. Uh, but there is a door open for them in the future, and I think we're going to work hard to, to try and make sure that some of the groups that were left out in the funding that we'll be able to uh, to help them in the future. A, a question along those same lines. Do you see other commodities or other enterprise groups that were left out? And then I'll bring it up. What about ethanol? Well, groups like our, our poultry farmers have been left out. They don't really own the birds that come to them. But what's happened to them is probably one of their flocks for the year is not going to be there. That flock, you know, that's going to be left out is usually their profit margin. So that's a very difficult situation. Aquaculture would be another one. Sixty percent of the aquaculture, catfish, things like that, uh, goes to restaurants. And so with them being hit so hard, then uh, that's been a real problem. Something that we didn't realize, uh, most of us didn't realize, was uh, how the restaurants, you know, the, the two uh, uh, chains of supply were so very different and how that could impact things. So uh, groups like that, uh, I think, will be uh, taken care of in the future. Ethanol is, is such a serious problem. Two out of five uh, bushels of corn go to that industry, and so it, it makes a huge difference with the corn market uh, and then, you know, the people that have invested in that. Right now, if it weren't for the COVID situation, the number one story, the thing that would be on all of our minds would be the collapse of the oil industry. And yet, you know, that's that's just part of it. And so with the collapse of it, uh, it certainly has made a huge difference with the ethanol industry, which, again, was struggling uh, going into this. So I think there'll be uh, an effort to try and help uh, many, many groups that perhaps uh, uh, haven't been helped up to now in the future. Keeping the animal processing industry open, protecting those workers, certainly a challenge for leadership. How do you feel about the president's executive order, and has he gone about it the right way? I think it was so important. Again, you're in a situation where you're breaking new ground. We, we haven't had a situation like this where you've had to do things like that. But in visiting with the people that own those plants, another thing that they were concerned about was the speed that the collapse with the closings was doing to the entire line. So it was something that needed to be done. Certainly, we need to protect those workers. Uh, they are true heroes in the sense of manning those positions. Hopefully, one of the things that's coming out of this is that uh, people are realizing how fragile the whole supply chain is and that we need to to be very appreciative of the people that work so, so very hard to, to make that continue to run. If we look at the trade skirmish with China, if we look at the COVID situation, there's been quite a bit of ad hoc funds that have made their way to farmers. The MFP uh, payments, as I calculate, were pretty close to $30 billion. Now you're looking at $16 billion that has just been put into play, and there may certainly be more. Budget spending was a big part of how to pay for the 18 Farm Bill. What does this say about where we go from here, Senator? Well, I think we're, you know, I keep saying uncharted waters, but, but we are in uncharted waters with this also. The good news is, is that so far Congress 
I think the public has been very supportive of the fact that we do need to support our farmers, and they're just in a unique situation right now. So I would look forward to additional funds being spent this next year. I think the Secretary left that open in the work that he did. One of the things I've been disappointed with is not uh, replenishing the CCC the way we need to. And I would go from $30 billion on up to 50. Uh, there's an argument to be made that with inflation, that should be around $68 billion. There's support really for the 50 and the 68. So probably we'll be somewhere around 50-ish, maybe a little bit more. But that money is going to be needed to pay for ARC, PLC, programs like that in the future. So that's something that we've got to get done sooner rather than later. So two questions along with that. Can Congress afford to give longer purse strings to an administration without some sort of oversight or guidance, as House Ag Chairman Peterson has suggested? Well, I think there's been some concern about that, not only from from Democrats, uh, uh, Congressman Peterson, Chairman Peterson, on the meeting in the House, but I think there's been some concern across the board. Uh, I feel like Secretary Perdue's done done a good job, uh, although uh, I can certainly understand that uh, the authorizing committee would like to have some oversight, would like to have some input. The Senate's back in Washington. The House is... Uh, made it such that they can do things remotely. So uh, as a result, uh, I look forward to more input from Congress. Uh, these are important decisions that, that make. And, uh, and as you do that, I think it actually helps the Secretary if Congress validates and, and gives him guidance. Uh, it takes some of the pressure off the decisions that, that he's making. We're looking at some tremendous surpluses in carryover of corn and of soybeans and even of wheat as we move out of 20 and into 21, unless some major event takes place with additional demand or, or a cut into supply. Do we need to reopen the farm bill, or is adding funds to the CCC to uh, adapt to these these lower farm income levels, is that enough to get us by? Well, I think we need to do the CCC for sure, and then uh, we just need to, uh, I think, wait a little bit, reevaluate. Right now, I think anything's on the table. I don't like to to uh, the thought of reopening the farm bill. This is a special circumstance, but for me, that's always been a contract with the farmers. Generally, when people want to reopen the farm bill, uh, they want to pay for a highway bill or something else. And so uh, I, I, I would like you know, to not do that and then perhaps uh, supplement, although, uh, like I say, at this point, everything's on the table. You said on agriculture, you said on appropriations, so then I'll offer more from the appropriations side with this uh, particular question. The House has approved a HEROES Act, and it is a big price tag, and there is a lot to support a lot of people. Uh, Do you see that coming up in the Senate? How soon, and what are your thoughts about what came from the Speaker in the lower chamber? Well, I don't see the HEROES Act going anyplace, and and the problem with it is, and I'm not being partisan in this, is just there was no input at all from Republicans. I think you got one Republican vote total that was really written by Speaker Pelosi and, and just a handful of her people, 14 of their uh, people in moderate districts voted against it. Uh, so it barely passed, 
and, and so there's there's no way that a bill like that is going to come over to the Senate and, and uh, see the light of day. Also, you've got the problem of the presidential veto. Certainly, he would veto it. So there's some good things in there. There's a, there's a lot of good things in there for farmers. Uh, there's a lot of other things, but there's a lot of stuff that are just, uh, you know, don't have anything to do with COVID. Uh, it's all about uh, uh, political policy of the future that uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi would like to move us further left. So uh, because of that, it's just a purely political thing, and I think it's important that your listeners understand that. On the other hand, there are some good things in the program that were put in, uh, I think some thoughtful things that we'll be looking at as we as we try and shore up uh, various entities that certainly the the farmers and then also the food supply chain that has been hit so hard the covid response has added to our federal budget deficit for this year and we're adding on to the national debt so given that we are in this situation how does this affect the budget process well we have the budget agreement from last year when we agreed last year, we agreed for a two-year deal. And so we have that in place. We're in the, in the midst now of, of really working out the details regarding that. But I, I, I think that we will go ahead and, and stay within the budget caps. Uh, we have spent a lot of money. Uh, we've, it's been unprecedented, the situation that we're in. It's all about making it such that we protect jobs as best we can. And that's what the, uh, the PPP program was all about, protecting the payrolls. And then also, uh, certainly as important as you want these businesses to exist once this is settled down so that people will have a place to go back to work. So I consider myself a budget hawk, but some of my friends that, you know, are very, very hawkish, again, at the end of the day, we've had unanimous votes in the Senate on these things because I think everybody understands that we are in a unique situation. We'd be willing to spend some money, but now's the time to, to sit back a little bit, regroup, make sure that the dollars that we spend in the future are really targeted towards uh, helping families and communities. How do you feel about the Fed Reserve's actions through this period of time? Well, they've been very aggressive. History will tell us what we've been doing, whether it's right or not. But I, I, I do think that uh, in, in talking to people that I respect at the Reserve and then economists, you know, pretty much across the board, uh, they do feel like that, that what we've done uh, so far has been appropriate. So right now, I think that uh, everybody is willing to, to do whatever it takes to protect our economy and then also fight the virus. That's the other thing that we're spending a lot of money on, which is so appropriate, trying to come up with a therapeutic approach. And the good news is I think we're moving in the right direction in both of those things. We're shifting to foreign policy here. What would be your advice to the administration on what to do with China? Well, China is a difficult problem in the sense that they are such a big market now. And when you look into the future, that's where there's going to be so much middle class uh, in China and the rest of the world located around them. And so you have to make it such that you do business, and yet the Chinese government, not the people, but the Chinese government tend to lie, cheat, steal, manipulate. They'll do anything they can to get our technology. They don't play by the rules. And so certainly I, I think the president has been forceful standing up to them. And uh, I was excited about the trade deal that was 
you know, has been written. Hopefully we can keep that together. It was great for agriculture. Forty uh, percent of the products that come out of Arkansas, a good percentage of the products that are produced by our farmers, you mentioned the, the excess that we have now, uh, is exported. And so we need to keep that market, we need to expand that market, and we also need to, to look for other markets throughout the world where we can sell American farm products. This COVID-19 pandemic has exposed the inadequacy of broadband service, especially in rural America. Senator, what has been done, but more importantly, what needs to be done to bring the country up to a minimum standard regardless of where you live? You start with good maps. Uh, the maps have been terrible as to where the service is being adequate or, you know, does exist, doesn't exist. Uh, the good news there is that the FCC is, recognizes that. They're working hard on that. Uh, they're fixing to, uh, to put a lot of money into broadband. And I think Congress, uh, as we go forward with whatever vehicles we do move in the future, that there will be significant broadband funding in place. So digging a little bit deeper, is it a money problem? Is it a regulation problem? Is it a technology problem? Uh, is it a research problem? What are, what are the avenues that are preventing us from being able to achieve our goals? Well, I think it's really all of those things. There has been a money problem. This is a lot like rural electrification that didn't really, you know, end until in, into the 1950s. And so it's, it is a, uh, a problem that those last miles, you know, where you're supplying uh, broadband to farm country, those counties where there's not a lot of population, uh, then there's significant expense and not much income derived. So kind of like having post offices in those areas. Uh, and certainly post offices are very necessary. I support that. But they don't make a lot of money, you know, in the sense that there, there's not a lot of population. And yet in the postal service, the broadband, they need it more than anybody. And so as a result, uh, we do have to come up with the funding. The co-ops have started to get involved. All of these different entities have started to to, to be helpful uh, and, and then also come up with uh, uh, really different ways as to how to solve the problem. So I think we're in a good spot. What we don't want to do, though, is we don't want, as as we start to win the battle with the virus and things return to normal, uh, we don't want to lose the momentum that we've gained in fighting this funding battle that we've had for a long time. And then, and then too, just the all of the other problems that have uh, you know that we've incurred in trying to get uh, broadband to. Uh, to these rural counties that uh, don't have a lot of population. This is probably more of a question for the majority leader and for the speaker, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Clearly, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has uh, challenged an already abbreviated agenda in an election year. So what falls off the table? What are the things that we won't get to, whether immigration or infrastructure? Are there items that now we just won't have time for and will get pushed to 2021 and beyond? To be honest, I think with the the fact that we had the election bring anyway, probably the the things that things you, that you get done during election year, they just simply aren't as much. On the other hand, uh, things that are so important, uh, we we passed a word of bill uh, out of uh, the Environment and Public Works Committee, which I'm a member of. We also passed the Highway Bill out of that. 
these aren't glamorous things, but these are really the backbone of the country and so important to our state, so important to the agriculture community in so many different ways. So I think we'll get those things done. Uh, we'll be working hard on the appropriations bills, uh, which also are very, very important. Uh, Senator Hoven on the, on the Senate side is doing a tremendous job uh, uh, working to, to make sure that uh, those agriculture bills uh, and the supplemental funding that we've have provided uh, have really been uh, very very helpful so uh, we look forward to working with him so I, I don't think that a whole lot's going to be left out uh, the other thing that probably is going to happen normally we're you know adjourned for August I wouldn't be surprised if we're here during August you've got the conventions though that'll that'll happen at that time who knows what those will look like but I think we're committed to doing the things that we need to do that uh, as I said earlier, a lot of these things are just the backbone of the infrastructure of the country. Senator Bozeman, you have an awfully busy schedule. We appreciate so much your service to the industry and your service to the country. Thank you for taking time for us for this edition of Open Mic. It is Open Mic. You've been here before. You know you have the last word today. Well, the only thing I would say, I want to thank you. I, you know, again, I'm I'm as active as anybody on the Ag Committee in, in keeping up with agricultural things, but you all do a, a great job of providing your listeners and your readers uh, just all that's going on during the day. And uh, the content that you all put out in the, uh, uh, is remarkable. And so, again, I, the last word would be thank you for your service uh, that, that all you're doing in, in getting out good information which I think is really critical during this uh, this time uh, in the agriculture uh, world. Our thanks to Arkansas U.S. Senator John Bozeman, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer Crop Science and the Habitali app. Learn more about how you can help monarch butterflies at farmersformonarchs.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.